Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday Live Reaction Show. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by, in a blazer for some reason, Dave Ubbin. Uh, I can step back to my hotel, Ari. Come on now. I mean, yeah, you got to take the tarp off, dude. Any, I mean, after a day like Do that, you, you got nah, you you to you know, undo the collar and, and kind of relax. But here, listen, I'm just going to make a proclamation right out of the gate here. Okay. I thought that was the best Saturday of the year so far and you know, the best one dating back to maybe uh, a few years ago. I I was completely enthralled by the results of the games that I was watching in every single window, uh, starting with Texas, Kansas state, then the game that you were at Mizzou, Georgia. And then of course mm-hmm. the night games were incredible. And because we don't really know where to start, why don't we just go from latest to morning? Because that's what's the topic of conversation. So I would ask you, how disappointed you were that Fogo de Chao was closed and wouldn't deliver to you tonight because that was an Very, issue for actually, you. I was thinking but about we it. don't it have the time. We don't have the time tonight to have meat shaved into your mouth conversations. I think we have just too much football to get to. Just for the record, since Fogo de Chao was closed and I couldn't get Picanha delivered to my bathroom, I went with the normal Shack Burger. So yeah, I think that's a, it's a normal it's a normal <laughs> order. Yeah. You didn't go with with uh, steak being shaved into your mouth. You just went into a good uh, hamburger to get you through the day. So, yeah. okay, yeah. Dave, I'm super excited to talk to you about um, the game that you were at. But first, why don't we just start with uh, one of your preseason predictions, uh, LSU maybe being an outside national championship contender and Alabama not being it this year. Alabama wins 42-28. to Jalen Milrow, 374 yards and four touchdowns. Um, I thought Jaden Daniels on the other side looked incredible too until he got hit late and, and uh, you know, combined total yards, 756, seven total touchdowns, one turnover. Uh, I think Jalen Milrose four rushing touchdowns is the first time that any Alabama quarterback in the history of the program has rushed for four touchdowns in one game, which I find kind of crazy to believe. You would think that at some point somebody would have done that, but um, unfortunately for you, AJ McCarron probably did that. Yeah. I don't know. Blake Sims or somebody, um, (laughs) I'm putting you on notice and I'm putting everybody on notice. We are not going to be getting through the college football playoff discourse without, um, Alabama, a part of it now. I mean, they're, they're firmly back in it and I hate to admit it, but are they good enough to win the national title this year? I mean, here's the thing, Ari, the short answer to your question is yes. We I always know. have this conversation. I know. We have this conversation. We're talking about the most talented team in America. So, yeah, they're good enough to win the championship. Now, are they good enough to get through, you know, Oregon and Georgia and Florida State and Michigan? I, I don't know. But, like, Al, Al, we've we've struggled all year to talk about this because Alabama is so tough to talk about because you watch them before the season and I think all the things we thought have been mostly true. 
and that they kind of have a dearth of weapons offensively. The offensive line really struggles to pass block. Their pressure rate, I think they're like 119th nationally. I'd have to check where it is now, but they're outside the top 100 uh, in protecting Jalen Milrow uh, from, from being under pressure. All those things have been true. It's not like they've had all these weapons come out of nowhere, but the defense is very good. They're, they've leaned into Milrow. Um, they know how to use him very, very well, know what he's good at, and I think he's improving a little bit too. So Alabama is, is a complicated situation, but yeah, sorry. I think the most talented team in America is good enough to win the national championship. Well, if you would have – well, here's the thing. Since Alabama began the season with the quarterback dysfunction and after losing to Texas, we have talked about them very little. Like yeah. we glance on about it a little bit. Okay. Hey, they beat this team or they beat that team. Are they going to make it to Atlanta? It's been passing discussion, but now maybe even starting on Tuesday, you know, I don't know what the rankings are going to look like, but um, Alabama is definitely a main fixture in that discussion in a world where there's a lot of people and a lot of teams that are vying for that discussion point. So I think that they need to come back to front row center. The light is on them. All those things. And the thing that I'll, I'll say about Alabama, their defense is very good. They're fast. They hit hard. All those things that we know about the most talented team in America. Um, and I don't know how much of this was LSU's D, but Jalen Milrow actually looks like he's just found himself, you know, and they're using yeah. him in a way where they can let him, you know, run and use his legs and be an athlete. And, you know, he makes some throws that are pretty incredible at times. But, you know, the offense is really working well when he just gets out and, and breaks contain and, and kind of can do his thing. So, I, yeah. Again, I don't know if that's going to be good enough to beat a team like, um, Al, I mean, Georgia in the SEC championship game. I don't know if it's good enough to win three games in a row against very good teams. But what I do know is yeah. if you ask Kirby Smart who the last team in the conference that he wants to play is, it's Alabama, and it's a team that they're going to have to play. And last week I, I came and I was sitting in a hotel, much like you are right now after a Georgia game, and I, I was very convinced that, you know, that team is the is the cream of the crop and is going to win the national championship. But, like, if you put the Georgia team that we watched on television today, which we'll get to against this Alabama team in Atlanta in a dome, I'm not a hundred percent certain that Georgia would win that game. And then at that point yeah. you're putting Alabama up against Washington or, you know, Florida state or another one of these teams that just is not equipped athletically to compete with them. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be a very interesting scenario. I don't know if there's a scenario out here that after this long winding road of, parody in the sport and all these crazy teams that are new on onto the scene and exciting and sexy that like Alabama doesn't beat Georgia and both get in like who knows you know well, that's the thing, could- Ari, I don't think you, you I think it's important to note that Alabama to get in the playoff is obviously going to have to beat Georgia to win it all I would say decent shot you got to beat Georgia twice beat Georgia that, twice that or be- beat Beat Georgia twice or beat Georgia once, then beat Ohio State or Michigan once, and then beat Florida State or Washington or Oregon or one of these other teams. Ari, a week ago you are telling me we're about to hand Georgia the trophy, and now now we don't even trust I mean, I still think that I, I still think that – well, here's the thing that changed. It's not that Georgia changed. It's that we added another yeah. team built like Georgia into the equation that we weren't considering last week. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the thing. Like I still think that Georgia is the team. But if it's not the team and Alabama is, then it's still the same thought process, you know? Now, mm-hmm. I don't know how to break down Ohio State, who's the third team that's built that way. Um, you know, I've been kind of cold on them this year, and, you know, they didn't really knock my socks off against Rutgers on Saturday. But, you know, there are a lot of teams that are still in the mix, but you just let another wolf into the hen house. You know, they're, they're yeah. back. And it's, it's, 
how we break them down and how the committee breaks them down is going to be a fascinating discussion. And throughout the rest of the, the course of November and into the maybe December when the championship games are being played, Alabama is going to be a fixture in that conversation. And I think they earned that. Now, LSU. Yeah. Um, they still have a defense. That's it. I mean, it is they don't play is. D. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm being fooled by Milrow. Look, I mean, there was that one play where Milrow, Milrow rolled right and hesitated or left. Sorry. And hesitated for a second on what looked like he was going to pitch it and then froze the entire defense and then just slam right through the middle of the D and scored on that like 15 yard run. I was like, God, that guy is really feeling himself right now. And if you get, if you let Milrow get comfortable and confident and they solve their quarterback issue to a point where at least it's a functional playmaker, regardless of whether it's as a passer or a runner, when you combine that with the, I mean, Isaiah bond was open the entire game again. I don't know. Um, if that's LSU's defense or if that's a young receiver finding himself, but it looks like Alabama is starting to come into its own at the right time. And let me tell you, buddy, I, I, I think I might just say it. Like, I think that Alabama is more likely to win the national championship than any of these other teams that we talk about that aren't built. That Maybe. Way. I mean, all right. I still think you're overreacting a little bit to, I know that you would never overreact to something, Mm-mm. But no, I'm, I'm always right down the middle here. LSU and the way that that team is composed was was cooked up in a lab to make Alabama's deficits look like they're not deficits, i.e. skill position talent. I tried to warn you on the picks show. I said on Thursday, big game coming for Jalen Moro. He's going to have a big game because everybody has a big game against LSU's defense. Uh, I need to check where they are in the stop rate, but I can guarantee you it's not good. Basically, any defensive metric, it's it's not good for LSU. And so I don't think that Alabama, you know, that's not to say Isaiah Bond didn't have a great game or that Jalen Miller didn't have a great game. But LSU can't cover. Their secondary, they have, they're racked with injuries. Uh, schematically, they just can't seem to get on the same page. They have busts all over the place. Their tackling is not good. So I don't disagree with anything you said about Alabama. But I think when you play a team with a functional defense, those skill position warts are going to be a lot more evident than they were tonight. So I just have a hard time like, you're right, dismissing but. putting up 42 against LSU and playing in a game Sorry, like that. It's like, no, it's just, LSU, dude. Everyone's everyone's putting a whole Miss scored 55 on them. So what do we think about that? Like, you know, here's what I think. I think that Alabama has three remaining games in the regular season against Kentucky at Chattanooga and at Auburn, all yeah. three of which they'll probably be double digit favorites in. Um, and then they're going to be playing in the dome against Georgia, probably. So, you right, know, we'll I, say what you want to say, right but that, now, that's happening. So over under Alabama, 24 and a half points against Georgia in the dome. Probably right. That's a good number. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'd say over, but not, not, not feeling confident about it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they could score 28, 31. I, I think they could win a game. I don't against this Georgia. D. I don't, I don't think so against this Georgia. Yeah, team. But then if, the, if, the, that, if that happens, then just you're right back with Georgia again. So, I mean, yeah, like it's not Alabama is just not eliminated before we get to Atlanta, which then creates yeah. a new wrinkle in the discourse. And, Super exciting to add them back in. So, okay. A lot Speaking of high-level sure. football, and I, I made this comment. Let's move to USC Washington. Uh, Washington beat USC 52-42. to 42. Um, Let me just tell you a stat about this game, and then I'll okay. read the other stats. I know where you're going. I can't wait. <laughs> you say it then. Uh, Mr. Dylan Johnson. Yeah. 
of Washington fame. Uh, a good running back. Good player. Good player. Not a solid freak. player. 199 yards before contact. If he had That's 199 yards before contact, which is one of the most unbelievable stats I've ever heard in my entire life, how many rushing yards would I have? 50? Well, I, uh, maybe something like that. Yeah. It's. Think about it. I run a seven I, second I 40. To, we were talking about this before the show, Ari. We need to go back and look numerically, but but the defense is under um, Lincoln Rally at Oklahoma. I feel like if you looked at some metrics or you looked at them in the right light or you caught them at the right angle, you could say, ah, you know, that defense had some things. They showed some promise or early in this season when the schedule wasn't that tough, you could see some, some shine. This USC defense feels like it's significantly worse than any that we so, saw at Oklahoma. That's a good segue. I need to look at the numbers. I tweeted, I know I'm the king of hyperbole. It's a toxic flaw. I'm working on it. <laughs> I love this flaw, Ari. It's it's one of my favorite things about you. This is... You're breathlessly hyperbolic at all moments. It's a beautiful thing. The worst defense I think I've ever seen. Help me. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you. Is it hyperbole? I mean, maybe. We'd have to... Well, how about worst defense you've ever seen on a top 25 team? How about that? I don't think I've... Here's the thing. When the ball is snapped, it feels like the entire defense is going backward, and nobody is in position to touch the ball carrier until he's at least five yards down the field. It's soft. They can't tackle players out of position. It is just downright mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. When I was watching the game, it felt like USC wasn't even trying to stop them until they got five yards. Yeah. I, I don't, I've never experienced anything like that, and I know that Washington's good. And I don't want to take away from their win. Washington obviously remains unbeaten and is going to be um, a main focal point in the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday, as they should be. And their quarterback is going to be a top three member probably in our Heisman straw poll. That said, what the hell? (laughs) I mean, I I just, I don't know. They had to have spent the entire offseason focusing on this, right? Do well, they, me, do they, I still do they think, even yeah, it, tackle in practice? It's a great all? question. Well, I'd love to know, but as we have covered many times, um, most colleges shut down practices. We see very, very little practices at, at any time. But ultimately, Ari, I think the thing that's most concerning for me is that every time you hear uh, Lincoln Riley talk about it, and it's not like you got to throw Alex Grinch under the bus or throw your players under the bus. You have to do that. But it's the same type of, you know, we're close. You know, we've did, we've got to get a couple things right, you know, this or that. And it's like, I know you don't think that, but if you do, that's even more concerning. Like this well, there is were a few shots a at the problem. end of the game where Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator and Lincoln Riley were just hunched over at the waist, looking down at the ground. And I think that like, there's a certain level of desperation here of like, it was fourth and 18 USC was down by three. And they were at the 40-yard line. Caleb Williams took a terrible sack, and they got pinned way behind the marker. It was a terrible sack to take, but he had people in his face his entire game. And when they lined up to punt, and then they punted down inside the 10, I thought to myself, from an analytics perspective, would it make more sense to give Caleb Williams, one of the best athletes we've seen play the quarterback position in college football the last 10 years, a shot at converting fourth and 18. Does that, is that a better play than punting it? 
Because at the very least, we know that Washington's going to get right back down to midfield in five plays. Like, what do you yeah. have to lose by even giving the ball up voluntarily? The second they punted down three, the game was over because they went. And what do they do? 93 yards right down the field. And Dylan right, Johnson was guy. running free. I, I don't even know how you could even in good faith punt. They don't we stop get my him, guy Kevin ever. Kelly on with you. Uh, fellow Arkansan, the coach who never punts uh, from Pulaski Academy. Uh, are you familiar with his work, Ari? Yes. I am. Uh, he's well, just the never guy. punt or don't punt in, inside your own 20. Yes. Yeah. Or you yeah. only it punt if you're inside your own 20 guy. It didn't go great for him at Presbyterian for the one year, but uh, yeah, he won like a bajillion state titles in the state of Arkansas. But I, I, it's an interesting question. I mean, uh, and I don't chat, know if, I, if that friend, he does it like as a blanket thought, but I thought in that situation, watching the game and knowing what was coming. Yeah. If you punt the ball away in your head, if you're Lincoln Riley and you send your punt team out, even on fourth and 18, I know it sounds crazy. Do you think you're getting a stop? I mean, surely not. I, I think it's, you know, in the chat, uh, our friend Noah Pants Party is referring to Lincoln Riley as Bizarro Kirk Ferentz. I think that the 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 parallels minus the blood relation are remarkably similar um, because it, everyone else watches these teams every week. And they're like, how is this happening? Smashing the panic button over and over again. You guys got to make some changes. Something's got to change. And they're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We got to go back and work. And I, I think you, you dig your hole deeper when you sort of play this game of like, well, we'll be okay. We're close. We got to fix a couple things or, you know, this is our DNA or this is who we, you know, play stylistically or whatever. It's... I mean, it's it's hard to watch, and I think you're. We we touched on this earlier in the season. Caleb is pretty special, man. He does some unbelievable things. His arm talent. He had a few game, a few plays in that game. I don't know if you were driving home, Dave. There were a few plays where where he he made and my jaw hit the floor. Yeah, he does stuff every week where you're just like, dude, like that's crazy. And he's going to end his career without doing a ton, and that's unfortunate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So just to clarify the Pac-12 football standings now, uh, Arizona and UCLA are playing right now. Both of those teams come into the game with two losses. Washington is in first place in the Pac-12 race with a 6-0 record. Um, USC now is 5-2 with two losses in conference play in Oregon, who scored 1,000 points against Cal uh, at 5-1. So it looks like we're kind of on a collision course for those two teams to play again which would yeah. be an awesome game in Vegas. I can't wait. Um, I can't that wait said, to too, I think that this was a – I want to make this point before we move on. I think that USC 
losing or, or Washington beating USC was a nice step in the right direction if you were afraid of the Pac-12 eating each other. Like, yeah. in order for USC to, to not win games, and they still have to play Oregon, but if USC drops games to Oregon and Washington, that stops them from being hurt with a loss going into Vegas, which might yeah. be a play-in game for the playoff, which is and what Washington we hope for the Pac-12, because we don't want them to be two lost teams or teams that are already out going yeah. into that game. And Washington had shown some warts, you know, with the Stanford. Yeah. Um, the Arizona State games were weird, but those teams didn't have the firepower to catch up to you. And I think we saw, you know, nothing fixes an offense or yeah, fixes an offense faster than playing USC or LSU. So I thought Washington would be okay here. But if they, if for whatever reason, they weren't a superpower that we'd seen earlier in the year and played more like they did the last couple of weeks, USC had the firepower to match them. And they hung for, for a lot of that game. But, you know, Washington has an okay defense, not great. Uh, Oregon's is much better, but um, USC does not. And, you know, it's it's just like the Alabama LSU game. These were mirror images of each other in some ways because one of the, the both of these offenses are great, but one of these teams has a defense. One of them does not. And shocker, Ari, the team that does won both games. I'm going to have you help me. Okay. How am I supposed to feel about that Texas win over Kansas State? Uh, Texas got out to a really fast start. They seem to be laying the pipe a little bit on on um, their opponent, and a few bad turnovers in the second half. Next thing you know, we're in overtime. It was seventeen nothing, and yeah, I think I got to twenty seven seven, and then uh, Kansas State scored two quick touchdowns off of turnovers. Um, Will Howard had 327 passing yards and four touchdowns. Um, Malik Murphy, you know, had some glimpses of awesome throws. Um, and, and then, of course, so at times, <laughs> not so awesome. His first quarter stats, Malik Murphy, 152 yards passing and a touchdown. Um, the rest of the game, 96 yards and two turnovers. So it it did not go well, but but Texas escaped. So yeah. here's my my dilemma, and I want you to help me out with this. Okay. On one hand. I'm trying to figure out how to feel about this. On one hand, you can make the case that Texas was playing against a team that was its biggest roadblock between now and the Big 12 championship game. They were doing so without their starting quarterback. It is a game that they most assuredly would have lost in the past because it was a Texas-like letdown spot, um, even if it was a big game. And they found a way to win at home. So if you if you box it up this way and you say, well, they were they were hurt. you know, at the quarterback position, they would have lost in the past. They found a way to win. This team is different than the things of the past. You could like really make yourself feel good about it. On the other hand, Texas was playing a very good Kansas State team. They were, you know, boot to the throat for a while. And then they started playing poorly, turning the ball over. Kansas State just com- took complete control of the game um, and probably could have won it had their coach maybe not gone for two in the overtime period. Yeah, I didn't love I didn't two. love that decision. I didn't love that decision. If you are a Texas fan, or if you were me, David, how should I feel? Feel good, Ari. At the end of the day, the gap I think we can agree the gap between Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy is is pretty wide. It's pretty wide. And you're playing a top 25 team. If you win out and you're Texas. Over 50% chance of making the playoff, probably. Something like that. If they that. went out, they're in. You sure? 
I mean, I don't know. If we want to play the game of everybody wins out, <laughs> then saying, sure. But like, saying, yeah, they're right, going to get in. Over, yes. Over 50%. Over 50% that you win, okay? I'd say over 80%. Okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. You I, wanna, I just want to make sure you don't say it's a coin flip. They're going to get in if they win out. You can't unlose a game, okay, regardless. You just got to win. You're missing your starting quarterback. You're playing a top 25 team. Just win. It doesn't really matter how you do it. The committee... Especially when you're playing top 25 teams. Like, if you dominate a top 25 team, the committee's going to care. But, like, just win. This is the same thing as beating them by a, a touchdown in the committee's eyes. So, I'm I, just win your games. Win your games. And if you're playing with a backup quarterback against a top 25 team and you win, I don't, yeah, you got stuff you got to fix. You won. Take it. Get out of there. Go to next week. Don't lose to Iowa State on the road. And go win a game. Yeah, I might be covering the TCU game next week, but here's the thing that is mildly frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. I came into the year banging the drum that Texas would make the playoff. Yeah. And I did so under the notion that they were going to play and look the way that these super teams look because they're built similarly to them. And in the first quarter of that game, you know, Malik Murphy had that dime touchdown pass to ad mitchell yeah uh kansas state couldn't get a first down i mean when you look at it cj baxter jonathan brooks jt sanders um saunders awesome in that first xavier worthy ad mitchell i don't know how a team like kansas state would be equipped to handle all of that firepower i don't care how good they are the firepower that texas possesses is not something that people in the big 12 are supposed to be to cover so even though they didn't have their quarterback there are other teams that are built like this that still assert their dominance when they have weaknesses at key positions. And it seemed for a while there that Texas was on its way to doing it. And then all of a sudden we got wrapped up in a Texas game of the past. And I don't know. K-State's if, good though, Ari. K-State's K-State good. is you're, good. They are. I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that K-State's not good. K-State's good. And they're tough mentally and physically, which matters. But the concept of trust, we were texting about trust, me, you, Max, and Ralph Russo. Yeah. You texted, and I'm going to frame it and put it right, (laughs) that you're beginning to trust trust Texas. Yeah. But did any of the way that that game unfolded, okay, say feel good, take the win, you know, move on, all those things. Texas would have lost that game in the past, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Do you trust them? Or did the end of that game make you trust them less? Well, you're still playing with a backup quarterback, and what's to happen? Like, how does that game play out if Malik Murphy throws, you know, those interceptions early instead of late? You know, does that cause your confidence to fall? He, you know, I, I haven't loved. He did I've almost have a pick in the end zone too in the first in the I first, know. I think, or first or second quarter that got dropped. I would like to note for the record that I sent that text when Texas was winning seventeen nothing. I said I'm beginning to trust them, and then of course, Tiger doesn't change his stripes. Sorry. And they made me regret sending that. So that's, so that's the thing that I'm having a hard time with. On one hand, you're no. telling me to feel good about them. But then on the other hand, you're saying a tiger doesn't change his stripes. So what is this Texas team? The team that I thought they were going to be? Or do you still think that the team that you thought they were going to be? I mean, they're somewhere in the middle, but it doesn't really matter. Or you just win. They don't. They got to just win. And they're in a really, really tough spot with no Quinn Ewers. You know, they've been kind of dodgy we don't about know how he's coming he's back. Yeah. They're playing on the road against TCU, against the team that has had their number. You know, I. I mean, numbers aside, have you watched TCU this year, Ari? Yeah, I watched watched them on Thursday. 
it's a four and five football team that looks like a four and five football team. Yeah. Like you watch them and you're like, yeah, yeah, you guys are going to be four and five. This is the new Texas. So, okay, we'll see how it goes, but. I am pretty geared up for, by the way, Oklahoma State. I, I guess let's just go right there. Um, stay in the Big 12, and then we'll wrap up the Big 12 race here. But Oklahoma State um, beats Oklahoma in the last edition of Bedlam as we know it. 27-24 um, to 24 at home. At home, Ollie Gordon, 137 yard, yards rushing, two touchdowns. Dylan Gabriel, 344 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, Oklahoma had three turnovers. Uh, Oklahoma State, a team that we both had left for dead, like, Six weeks ago, all of a sudden, I mean, it's a one loss. Game, to be fair, no, I know. They, yeah, they lost. They were control their own destiny to get to Dallas now. Yeah. So, what was your reaction to Bedlam um, overall? And then uh, here, here's uh, the Sooner second half slump. Second half series. The first series was an interception. Second series touchdown. Third series turnover on downs. Fourth punt. Fifth fumble. Sixth field goal. Seventh on downs. There was a. Uh, terrible pass interference call that was missed yeah. like absolutely can we, awful can we just yeah. say can we just say Ari? everyone knows that was pass interference it didn't get called let's just leave it at that it pulled his arm and grabbed it was it wasn't even it close if i were bent venables i like my eyes would be bloodshot from broken blood bad. vessels that said oklahoma had more than ample opportunity to win the football game so yeah. as you analyze this first of all um a peaceful farewell to Bedlam. It's sad. Um, yeah. You know, Manny and Navarro and I went live and talked about it for 10 minutes. Um, feels kind of just poetic justice that Oklahoma State got their last, you know, laugh in the rivalry game that no longer exists. But um, what's your main takeaway like, from this? Well, I like when teams who get screwed in the macro sense, getting their micro moment and winning that game and sort of, you know, flipping the bird on the way out as as Oklahoma leaves because let's let's be clear Oklahoma and Texas absolutely screwed the rest of the Big 12. I get why they had to do it. I get all the reasons they did it. They have to do it all that stuff whatever. But like you did screw that week. Here my takeaway from this Ari is the is the Baylor offense is this thing is our defense is catching up to it. Yeah, is that running its course? Because Oklahoma has the athletes and 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 the thing with the Baylor offense for a lot of this, these, it's time in the sport is when you have better athletes, you can absolutely pour it on, you know, 28 points in the first quarter, score 60, score 70. You don't see that a lot anymore. And I have some theories um, on why that may be, but you look around at the teams that are running it, you know, uh, from top to bottom, you know, Tennessee's still running it. Oklahoma's still running it. TCU is running it. Syracuse is still running it. Um, you know, Colorado is running it. These teams are not setting the world on fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Colorado literally demoted. It seems their like a good OC. story for the off season for sure to like kind of talk it to does. coaches. It does. Yeah. But yeah, a good idea. Colorado literally demoted their OC. People are already fired up, fired up with, with, uh, Kendall Bryles at TCU. He's been there eight games, whatever. Jeff Levy, all I'm hearing is they want to run him out of town. You know, Levy sucks. Gabriel's worth. Okay. Like that's generally the conversation from our commenter here. Like, I I don't know. I mean, I I have some questions about this offense's place because in all of college football, it's all cyclical, you know, trends come trends go. The wishbone is, you know, um, back in, uh, is progressive one day and it's archaic the next, um, you know, 
what what used to be the fastball is the curveball, and then the air raid is the curveball, and then everybody's running the air raid. So you got to build your offense or your defense. All these things just just come and go. And it seems to me that in the sport of college football, we are witnessing defenses catching up to the Baylor offense and figuring it out because we don't see a ton of just like butt kickings and thrashings with this offense. And maybe it's a one year thing. Maybe, you know, it's, it's a perfect storm, but that, that watching that game and kind of watching around the sport to me, that, that stands out as like, hmm. cause it's been the most popular system in the, in the sport for, you know, four or five years now. And it seems like teams are figuring it out a little bit. Well, I do think that we need to give Oklahoma state its flowers. They're seven and two now. They started off two and two with back to back losses to South Alabama. Mm-hmm. Thirty three to seven loss to South Alabama, and then at Iowa State, they've now rattled off five consecutive victories in conference play, beating Kansas State. Watch that game. I thought that Kansas State just forgot how to play football, but it might yeah, have just been the weird. first game with a turnaround. Um, Oklahoma Kansas, State's run has basically paralleled giving Ollie Gordon the ball. <laughs> yes, but no, Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma, three out of their five are against above average to good, really good football teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and now their final three games of the season are UCF, Houston, and BYU. Like, is Oklahoma State going to be playing Texas in the Big 12 championship game now? Well, mathematically, right, they're in the driver's seat. Um, I'd have to look at who they have left, but it seems like that's going to be the case. They're playing good football. Who's got left? Oklahoma State, UCF, sure Houston, and BYU. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, they might drop one of those games, but I doubt it. I mean, I, so also yeah. shout out to Mike Gundy because yeah, we came right. into this season. I believe we said the exact sentence. Sorry, Oklahoma State doesn't. Where are all their great players? Like you looked at their roster and you said, I don't, you know. And Ollie Gordon has kind of come out of nowhere a little bit, um, but this is a really good Oklahoma state team. And I'm not entirely sure like how I can break that down. He, he, Mike Gundy's had some weird experiences with coordinators the last couple of years, the sort of failed Derek Mason experiment. Um, But if you want to talk about relentless competence and relentless continued success. Yeah. 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 So the big 12 race. Now the two teams to beat are Texas and Oklahoma state, which is the way we all drew it up. Texas loses to Oklahoma, and then in November, uh, Texas and Oklahoma State control their own destinies. But here we are. Um, I think that we could say that Kansas State is a top-four team in the conference. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Oklahoma State deserves the same courtesy during a time in which we thought this could be like the beginning of the end of the Gundy era. So like that, that is a a really, really nice turnaround, and congratulations to Oklahoma State. Revenge is uh, (laughs) a dish best cold – wait, let me guess, you eat – you heat up your revenge on the skillet, right? <laughs> I mean, it depends on how I'm feeling that particular day. <laughs> you get your day. revenge to go, and then you cook it up? Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, I want to make one last point, too. Um, I, I tweeted uh, during the day about how I thought it was cool to see Oklahoma State win because Oklahoma ruined the rivalry. And then I yeah, got a th- they did. the Oklahoma fans, like, whatever, slashed on me and said, I don't I'm know what sure. I'm talking about. Oklahoma will still play the game. Yeah, okay. I'm sure they would. Um, if your spouse cheated on you and said she wanted to remain married, would you want to keep being with her? Like, it's yeah. just like it's like I'm on the Oklahoma side of the o- Oklahoma State side of this thing. So it is what it know, is. I mean, I, I, I hope they play again. 
because the state has a lot of pride in this in Oklahoma State. Um, and Oklahoma being on the same field is just a it's a shame we're going to lose that. But also, too, it's not Oklahoma State's job to acquiesce to what Oklahoma wants to do. All the and time. also, so, let's not forget Oklahoma and Texas, as Greg Sankey loves to remind us, they called them. It's not like the SEC was trying to pull them off. Oklahoma and Texas were not happy with the state of the Big 12, called up Greg Sankey and said, hey, man. You guys want to hang out sometime? Maybe see where it goes. And here we are. Bedlam's dead. So okay. Um, one last question for you. I know we have to move on. We've got a lot to. What's your take on Oklahoma season now after losing two straight Kansas and Oklahoma State? Well, they're not going to go six and seven, so that's that's, that's good. good. Um, you're disappointed because you looked like a national title contender after Red River. You lost to two good teams one of which was on the road in a really tough atmosphere of a team that, you know, I don't think it, I don't think I am disrespecting Oklahoma state to call this their super bowl. Is that fair? Most important game Oklahoma state has played most important regular season game. They have played in a long, long time, 2011 Bedlam, probably the last time they played a regular season game. That was as important as this one. Um, so that's always going to be tough. Um, so, you know, it's not like you're letting go of the rope. You've you lost two games on the road to two good teams, albeit one of them with a backup quarterback. I mean, it, it, you're you're you were not you're not you're not infallible. You don't have the roster for that. You don't have the the playmakers for that. You went six and seven a year ago, so you've improved. I think when you when you taste, oh, this season all of a sudden doesn't have a ceiling once you beat Texas. And then you're immediately humbled. It's gonna it's gonna smart a little bit more, but like you're still probably gonna win nine games, ten games, and you won six and you won six and seven a year ago. So, you know, big. I get it's disappointing. You go ten and two and beat Texas. Be, you probably take that if you're an Oklahoma fan coming into the year. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because we were wondering before the season, like Venable's okay. Like, eh. one and of the it, hot it, takes of the, of the first podcast was Venable's will not. Make it to the SEC. Yeah. Remember? Plausible well, or implausible? I think we both said it's implausible, but I mean, that's a thought process from people. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
The game you were at today, Dave. Uh, Missouri pushed number two Georgia to the end, ultimately fell 30 to 21. Um, Georgia, I guess, kind of got their. I, I was wrong about the game. I thought that Georgia was just going to, as you like to say, punk them. Um, and that's not what happened here. So you were at the game. You saw Georgia up close. You saw Mizzou. I think it's a shame that uh, Luther Burden hurt himself. I think that probably had an impact on yeah, Mizzou's offense in the second half. He, even though I mean, he, he reemerged ball. in the fourth quarter, but he hurt, he was, he was all around. over the place in the first playing. half and then hurt his, his foot on what could have been a touchdown play. And then the second half just didn't, didn't really have an impact. Um, so first, let me just give you the floor. You were there. You covered the game. I haven't read your column yet. What was it about? Just bring us up to speed. So this is about how I thought it was going to play out. I thought Mizzou would compete. As long as Brady Cook had some clean pockets and some space to operate, I thought they had the weapons to make it interesting, to put some points on the board. They ran the ball better than I thought they would, and even Kirby Smart after the game was like, they didn't do anything different. He's like, they didn't scheme us. You know, They just whooped us, basically. Like. Props to Mizzou. You know, if Kirby Smart's tipping his cap to you, you know, he doesn't have to do that. So, um, I, I for me, the column that I wrote is basically just Georgia, they play with a confidence. They, they play like a team that hasn't lost a regular season game in like a century. And there's a level of not panicking, a level of leadership, a level of just keep – keep plugging away and like the breaks are going to go our way because they always do. And sometimes Mizzou is trying to go score to take the lead and they throw it right to your defensive tackle who has never had an interception in his 20 something year football career ever. And he almost takes it to the house and Georgia just, they're such a mature team and they don't do things to beat themselves. And even when they're a little sloppy and obviously didn't have Brock Bowers today, they just, I mean, you saw it. We talked about earlier this season, the SEC inside clip of the halftime when they're down double digits to South Carolina. It's like, okay, just keep playing. Keep playing. We're fine. And you see that all the time with this Georgia team and things go their way. And I think that this is obviously not as dominant a Georgia team as we've seen, but they find ways to make plays that decide games. And that, to quote the great Dan Rubenstein, winning is a skill and nobody's been better at it than Georgia. Yeah. I wanted to quote the great Dan Rubenstein earlier. Uh, he always <laughs> says, win your clunkers. You know, he always says, win your clunkers. Well, let's, I mean, this is a top 15 team, Ari. No, no, I'm not saying for this game. I oh, was just, for Texas? In general, yeah, Texas, yeah. but that probably wasn't a clunker either. But No, 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 no. Um, you said get out of there and win the game. Then, you know, I can just I hear him say that on his show all the time. <laughs> so um, do you think that I jumped the gun with my Georgia take last week? Yes, yes. Okay. So here's the here's the thing I think we need to I discuss. I thought at the time and I was confirmed today. Yeah, so let me ask you this. And I tweeted this on the airplane coming back from Jacksonville last week after watching Georgia do what they did to Florida. I'm going to give you we're going to play a game. I'm going to give you okay. Three teams that's going to be group A. Those three teams are Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. We haven't talked about Ohio State today, but they were losing to Rutgers at halftime. We will get to that, I think. Will we? <laughs> That's Group A. Group B is the, the field. Stars matter group. 
Okay. The field, the rest of the sport, who is going to win the national championship this year? Your life depends on it. Group A or Group B? Who are you betting on if if everything comes crashing down in your life if you lose? Well, so it's basically the Stars Matter group, which I believe will just be Georgia in the playoff versus Michigan, right? The the core of this question is who wins between. We don't know how the season's going to play out. If that's how you think it's going to play out, I wanted to see Michigan post like. Can Michigan the the conversation and like, are we going to talk? We'll talk about that too. But like, you think that your viewpoint of everything changed based on what saw what you saw there tonight? No, but I was curious. I was just watching. Yeah, like I, I, we mentioned on Thursday, if they come out there and it's you know twenty to ten or something, I'm going to be like, hmm. it was twenty to six in midway through the third quarter. Yeah, but they still looked like for the most. I mean, it was I mean, they were up seventeen nothing. Like yeah, quarter. I mean, so I mean, like, I don't know. Okay. I, I that game didn't change any. Let's let's view Michigan as a superpower team without the context of the Spygate stuff. Just just you just view Michigan yeah. the way that we were viewing them a month ago. Okay. Um, I mean, if I if I life on the line, I'll take Georgia. I still think I don't disagree with you, Ari, that Georgia is the best team in the country. But I, you also I, I get Alabama love. and Ohio State in that group too. Yeah. Well, like you just dismissing right now because the thing that I think is interesting is Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama all are perceived and maybe they just are weaker versions of themselves. than we've been accustomed to seeing the last two or three years, right? Yes. Yeah. So the question I have is now that you watched Mizzou play Georgia closely for a large portion of the game on the road. Uh-huh. If you think that these two teams are down enough or three teams, excuse me, are down enough this year with their quarterback changes and some of the turnover that they've had has the tide lowered enough for an Oregon or a Washington or a Michigan or a Florida state to win the national championship this year. I mean, it's close. I, I don't believe in Ohio state at all. I'm not even thinking about Ohio state in that group. I don't think Ohio state's very good. I don't think they have the offense to do what they need to do. I think that's a fair. I don't love what I've seen from from Calmacord. Alabama, very flawed, but very tough as well. And Georgia is Georgia. So it, it, it wouldn't be unthinkable. I know you think it's unthinkable for a team like Oregon to be. No, I don't this year. Georgia. I don't think it's unthinkable. Okay. Well, I, I would take Georgia with my life depended on it, but I, I think group it's a, a. you get between, group a, I think it's a coin flip between group a, because and you can't just say I jumped the gun last week on Georgia and then dismiss Alabama as a team that could beat them. Well, it's not that I'm, dis- it's not that I'm dismissing them, but I'm saying if, so like, is there a look ahead line in that game? Like, would would Bama be like a I'm six sure point like underdog? Six points or something like that. Something yeah, maybe like less, that. Maybe four. So and like, a half. they could do it. I I don't think Alabama is going to beat Georgia. In you can't. You cannot Atlanta. tell me that me thinking that Georgia is just going to run the table and hand them the trophy now is a premature notion, and then dismiss the notion that Alabama could beat them. It's either one or the other. Uh, I think it's more. I just don't. I don't. Hold Alabama like in a super super like oh how's anybody going to beat these guys? They've been on the ropes a lot this year. Tennessee, Texas A and M. Uh, I don't know if you'd point. I wouldn't count today necessarily. Um, you know, Texas. The just only team up, that yeah. hasn't been on the ropes this year is Michigan, and they were they haven't fought in a heavyweight fight yet. So I mean, yeah. being on the ropes, sure. But I mean, Oregon has lost. I mean, you could make the case. Washington Georgia. was on the ropes as recently as this evening against a team that couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like yeah. teams have been on the ropes. You know, I, I, yeah. I know what you're saying. 
Because you're you're used to seeing Alabama as a team that you cannot fathom losing until they do. Yeah, I understand that. I get it, and I'm with you. I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I think that we need to start shifting our brains on how we view this Alabama team. And I don't know if I'm if I'm crazy. I think that what is it going to take for you to like take them seriously? I think that I think LSU's defense has poisoned your brain on Alabama. But I've been I've been like starting to sip the Bama Kool Aid for the last three I'm, weeks. I've now. been I've been with you. I've been yeah. I've been with you. This isn't just tonight. Like a little bit. No, but but I but don't let LSU's defense push you over the edge on on Bama's offense and their weapons, which are still I think deficient. I'm not saying that, so. It's like I'm saying like Alabama could find itself in a 21 8, uh, 17 game in the fourth quarter against Georgia and win. Like so, Maybe. you know, and I, and we'll see when it when and if we get to that point. But the context of this discussion, I think, is interesting because I, if you've listened to the show or read my columns the last five years, could not resign myself to the notion that a team not in Group A could win. And this year is the first year where I actually can acknowledge that they could. I just don't know which of the Group B teams I would latch on to. Michigan has been the one that um, has been the most untouchable so far this year, but also wrapped up in the strangest college football story we've had in maybe my life. Yeah, I'm so very I, I don't know if that affects them down the stretch. Yeah, and maybe it won't. Maybe they'll just beat the crap out of Ohio State, win the Big Ten, yeah. and, and be that team. But it's hard to analyze them without that creeping into your brain a little bit. And then, of course, Florida State, without their two best receivers, we're playing kind of a weird game today. And, um, you know, Oregon has lost to Washington. Washington's defense, I know we poured it on USC's defense quite a bit earlier in the conversation, but Washington's defense doesn't necessarily – you know, inspire much, uh, you know, fear into my heart. I just, I don't know what the team is going to be. So it's just an interesting dynamic. I think we got through the biggest games of the day, but here are some other scores and in, in games that we need to touch on. Clemson picked up its first win today against a ranked opponent. They beat Notre Dame 31 to 23. We were laughing about this coming into the week because I sent you the stat that According to BetMGM, that Notre Dame minus three was the most taken bet of any public bet in the entire day. And we we talked about it on the pick show if you listen, but like the line seemed suspicious. And then like Clemson kind of mauled them. So somebody said in the chat, Ryan Dutter here already needs to give Dabo Sweeney his flowers. I mean, I guess they're no longer uh, four and four. You know, I I don't know what that means, but certainly. can we get Tyler on the show later today? Yeah, Tyler from Spartanburg uh, really, <laughs> really flamed this Clemson team into winning. But I also forgot to mention that Dabo said uh, on the field, if you're buying, if Clemson's a stock, you better be buying all you freaking can right now, which I thought was cool. I thought it was cool. Because I'm, I'm sure you appreciated it, but. Yeah, I did, because I, I think the CEO I of Enron wanted people to buy their stock too, but, you know. <laughs> I just found out that our producer has the Dabo Sweeney sound. Can we please just play it on the show? We ain't had much to go our way this year, but the one thing you that has shown up every week is the heart and the fight of Clemson. And I know we're down and everybody's throwing dirt on us, but if, if Clemson's a stock, you better buy all you freaking can buy right now. Let's go. <laughs> At least Dabo seems to have a very good grasp of the stock market. I don't yeah, know I mean, that I'm buying. Buy low. <laughs> I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm buying a Clemson resurgence uh, in the years. No, this to is come. this is in the years to come. Yeah, like do you buy low? I know. I'm not talking about this year, but I'm talking like yeah. you know, are they going to get back to the level 
of where you're competing for national titles and you're on the same plane as your beloved Group A, uh, your stars matter situation. So let's just talk about Ohio State for a second. All right, Ohio before, St- okay. All right, before you get into Ohio State, you're gonna save me for myself and being too yes. so, too. Rutgers is six and two, Ari. No, I know. And I'm not well, panicking about that. And they won by 19 points. Just saying. Their offense is fractured. Yes, it's not good. It's so not fractured. Whatever it's you want to say, good. whatever you want to say to try to stop me from being harsh, you're the one who already dismissed them as a group A contestant. You're like, you because didn't, I'm not even listening to Ohio State. The, they don't have I the say the same thing as you, it. and then people say I'm being too harsh. They don't have the quarterback, they, but they beat Rutgers it. by 19, Dave. Which one is it? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think that it's possible that Ohio State will no longer be number one on Tuesday. So partially because Notre Dame got its ass kicked and Wisconsin, yeah. another important win for them, lost to Indiana on Saturday and they were losing to Rutgers at halftime. And this was a game earlier in my career when I was on the Ohio State beat that I didn't even go to. I'd like go on a recruiting trip because every time they played, it was 63 to nothing. Yeah. So partially want to give props to Greg Schiano for making a functional program out of Rutgers. I mean, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, they're six and three now. I mean, they, they're, yeah. they're much better than they've been. Um, they've got a pretty competent defense and run game from, from what we've seen in the past. Um, in Ohio State, some of those points was a pick six by Jordan Hancock. Um, Trey Henderson, 128 yards rushing. I think that a healthy Trey Henderson gives Ohio State an extra element to go along with Marvin Harrison that can make their offense more explosive. But Kyle McCord, even though he threw for 189 yards and three touchdowns, it's just so jarring to watch Ohio State try to operate offensively when you've gotten used to C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields and Braxton yeah. Miller and J.T. Barrett and all the players that I covered during my time on that beat. So, you know, I don't know if Ohio State matches up in terms of an offense that can score a ton of points if they get into the same field as Georgia. But they have the athletes, and that's yeah. better than not having them. So I don't know. I have a really hard time with Ohio State because on one hand, I want to be like, yes, Ohio State's a contender no matter what. But on the other hand, I watch them and it's just like, ah, like it's, yeah, it's, it's ugly. You know, you're high so, there, Ari. Four catches for 25 yards today and two touchdowns. But yeah, and two touchdowns and the game winning <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he's probably not going to win the Heisman. You're right about the stats. You know, he doesn't yeah. have the Marvin Harrison we're talking about doesn't have the border, the, the overall production of, uh, what it takes to win the Heisman as a receiver. I see that is probably true. I yeah. don't know what you it'll can do look it as like a quarterback. We, if you go 13 and oh, you don't have to have crazy numbers as a quarterback, but I don't know who the Heisman front runner is right now. Jaden Daniels is now out of it. Probably. Um, I don't know, like Ohio state. So, like, I just don't know where the Heisman discussion is. It'll be interesting to see the straw poll. I'm assuming mm-hmm. Penix will probably be up there. Um, I'm sure Harrison will be up there. But there's no slam dunk quarterback. So that I've always thought that if Ohio State somehow goes to Ann Arbor and Marvin catches three touchdowns and just goes crazy in that game and they win, that his overall lack of or lack of overall production will take a backseat to who Ohio State is. Without him, which is probably a, yeah. a two loss or one loss team right now. So I still think Ari, the winner of the Pac 12 championship, wins the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. I felt that yeah, way like for Bo a couple Nicks weeks. Or, or Michael Penix. Whoever wins that game, yeah. that'll be a strong closing argument uh, against a good team. And whoever wins that game, I think wins the Heisman. I think Ari, 
it, on the Ohio State Georgia conversation, it, it, I was actually talking to our colleague uh, Seth Emerson about this earlier. It's the one thing I miss about the BCS era because in the BCS era, you could tell how far the gap was between the teams, and you could kind of project, okay, this is going to be this is how that's going to play out. Well, based on the data, yeah, but you don't really know like how far the gap was between Ohio State and Georgia. We don't really know, and I think hilariously. Georgia beats Mizzou, but they probably didn't beat them bad enough to drop them out of the top 15. So, like, that's probably still going to be a top 15 win. Definitely going to be a top 20 win. I think they I think they do top 25 and top 10, right? Um, so, you know, but it's still probably a top 15 win for them. Um, and so it will be close, I imagine. Um, Let me but- just remind you of one thing, Dave. Mm-hmm. You remember how we all felt about Ohio State going to the playoff last year? Soft, going to get pushed around by Georgia. What yeah. happened? They went toe to toe with had Georgia. A, they had a month because a, they had athletes. Yeah. They played close because they have the athletes. Yeah. This game's complicated, but sometimes it's not. Um, Kyle here says defense wins championships, Ari. Um, mm. One, I don't agree with that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and two, <laughs> You know, I think it's a nice reminder to say Ohio State's defense has played quite well this year in comparison to what they were last year. And I think that Ohio State will be in more games or will be in games that they might not have been in had this not been the case. So I think Ohio State last year had to beat you 42 to 38 to win. If we're talking about a top tier matchup, I think Ohio State could theoretically beat Michigan 21-17. And if that happens, then who knows? But yes, the defense has played well. I want to give um, Ohio State the credit for their defense, and Jim Knowles has done a good job. So, yeah, defense doesn't win championships. Um, it uh, does defenses not, and offenses with weapons and playmaking quarterbacks win championships. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just a it's a hard thing because the number one overall team in the country is number one based on resume, but now the resume took a massive hit on Saturday, and they didn't yeah. look good in the process. I would be surprised if they were number one again on and Tuesday. And Georgia's resume got better. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't, I wasn't part of the uh, playoff discourse on Tuesday from the podcast feed. And yeah, I, haven't, I wasn't either. Um, but I thought that the thing that always irritates me about the playoff committee and going through, we both did the mock and I understand mm-hmm. how hard it is to, to do it. And the way that you, rank, you, do it, you do it three at a time. And, but sometimes I just feel like the rankings are inconsistent with thought process. And last week's rankings were inconsistent because you had um, Ohio State number one based on resume, and then you had another team that has a really good resume um, at number four in Florida State, right? Mm -hmm. And then the two and three teams were very good teams with terrible resumes in Michigan and Georgia. And it's like, which one is it? Is it resume or is it eye test? You You can't judge Ohio State based on one thing. And then dismiss it for the the next team. It just doesn't factor to me. So it'll be very though, interesting that, that to see how me, that plays out. That bugs me, but also it doesn't matter. I generally it doesn't matter, that. but also too, it's like if you, these people are entrusted into um, putting out the rankings, I think every year they've gotten them right. Mm-hmm. But consistency is not that much to ask for, and it's just hard because everybody does it differently in that room, and it's it's you know I I sympathize with the people in the room. But fans want a clear and concise understanding of why they're ranked a certain way. And a lot of times what they spit out is not something that is easily explainable. So anyway, that's the Ohio State discussion. Um, you know, people By are clamoring way, for us to. Yeah. All right. Quick note. 
the revitalized Colorado offense. Five points, thanks to a uh, returned extra point uh, late in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, rushing rushing attempts, 14 for 17 yards, too. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Interesting, huh? Hmm. Hmm. You guys should go listen to our Friday show where we predicted on all YouTube this, uh, talking about just a weird move. You feel like you got to do something and maybe don't do something. Didn't do the right thing. Bugging. Yeah. Well, it wasn't anything yeah. to do. There was nothing to do. You, yep. you didn't need to do anything. Keep working. Anyway. Okay. So let's just touch on Michigan real quick. They beat the crap out of Purdue yeah. 41 to 13 next week. They're playing Penn state. Um, I watched part of this game. Uh, they got out to a 17, nothing lead. So the intrigue went away. Then I looked back. Yeah, I and didn't really watch it was 20 it to six. It wasn't really that entertaining, but is yeah. there anything to glean from them beating Purdue by they looked, 28? They looked normal. They looked mostly focused, more focused than not focused. Maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit. I just wanted to know if like we were going to see a totally different Michigan team because the noise around like the program Purdue is 17, Michigan, 18. Yeah. I was just curious, but like, the noise around the program is deafening and it's only going to get louder as the season yeah. sort of starts to crescendo. And I think it'll be a real test for the culture in the program and for the focus and doing all the things that you need to do to keep performing and keep winning. And it's going to be really difficult on all the kids because the coach might get suspended. You might, you know, maybe they hit the full on, you know, nuclear option and ban you from the postseason. You don't really know what the Big Ten is going to do. It's unpredictable. There's no precedent for this. You've got the whole league pressuring all the leadership to punish you and do something. Um, it's unclear what they will or won't do or when they will or won't do that. And maybe you wake up, you know, Wednesday morning and you've learned that you can't play for a Big Ten title or you wake up Thursday and your coach is suspended for three games or the season or whatever. You don't really know. And I, it's going to be tough, I think, for Michigan to sort of navigate these pretty choppy waters. These are 18 to 22-year-olds. They see a lot of the stuff. They hear a lot of the stuff. But on Saturday, uh, you know, two weeks of noise, and they they performed well. So shout out yeah, to them. And Ryan Walters, the Purdue head coach who was outspoken about what his opinion of the Spygate matter was, uh, gave Jim Harbaugh the fastest handshake in the history of humanity. So that was kind of entertaining. Um, I will. I want to ask you one last question about Michigan before we go. Not to focus more on what the accusations are. I don't know if you saw, but New Mexico or New Mexico State posted on the <laughs> scoreboard, uh, "Welcome Connor Stallions to the game," and it said "probably" in parentheses, which is just another reminder that the trolling in the sport is unmatched and uh, not well, something you, you had get in pro a, sports. You had uh, in the summer of Swift, Oklahoma State playing. We are never getting back together uh, in the post-game afterglow of the fans storming the field and tearing down the goalposts. Well played. Well played, Cowboys. Well played. Um, but how many teams in college football would be undefeated with Michigan's schedule right now? That's a good question. 20? Yeah. 25? They wouldn't be as, dom- they wouldn't be as dominant. I'm not but, saying yeah. dominant, but undefeated. I know. But that's all I'm saying. I. What's the point of the question, though? Well, are the you, question are you wavering no, the, uh, on Michigan? No, 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 no. I mean, I don't know anything about what advantages. It's hard to break them down. Yeah. But what I do know is they're playing Penn State on the road next week, and it's the first time they're playing 
an actual team this year. Yeah. And we're already into mid-November. I know that Michigan um, has looked dominant. I know that Penn State's offense has left a lot to be desired. And Michigan's defense, I think, is probably better than Ohio State's right now. And I don't know how Penn State's going to score. But on the road yeah. in an environment against a team that is still, you know, we've forgotten about Penn State. They lost to Ohio State. They haven't been a discussion point much, but like they are still hungry as hell to win that game. Like yeah. I cannot imagine, you know, the the type of environment that they're going to have there. And, you know, James Franklin uh, absolutely needs to win against a team like this again. It, it's the All first right. real test again that Michigan's going to face. They don't have the sign stealing situation happening like that. To, like Purdue is snoozy to me. I'm going to be excited to watch that game next week. Over under 14 and a half points for Penn State. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I am more interested in what that game tells us than what we learned tonight. Um, Maybe, other, but I want—I want to see them on the field after all the noise of the last couple of weeks, and I felt fine about what they did. So. Florida State started slow. They were without Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, which is like why even play? <laughs> yeah, just they were win. losing to Pitt for a while there, but they scored fourteen unanswered Pitt. points in the second half to beat Pitt really twenty-four bad. to seven. Um. Jordan Travis scored his 31st rushing touchdown at Florida State, which is now a program record for the Seminoles. Um, just a team that, I mean, Pitt was really, really bad last week. Um, yeah. And Pitt was winning 7 nothing relatively deep into the second quarter, I believe. And then Florida State turned it on. Um, they are still undefeated and obviously a main discussion point. Another result, Louisville beat Virginia Tech 34-3. to um, They might be in the top 10 of the CFP rankings on Tuesday. Maybe. I mean, I don't know what to make of Louisville. You got to have them up there because they are what they are. But, like, I don't know. This was pretty impressive. I thought Virginia Tech could hang. They've been playing really good football. Like, Louisville, you look at what they did to Notre Dame, and then, like, today was pretty impressive. But I just, you know. When you lose the pit. They don't do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. But there is a legitimate chance that Louisville – with Virginia at Miami and Kentucky left on their schedule, will be finished uh, the regular season at eleven and one, and in the ACC championship game, which is a hell of a first year for a coach that's supposed to save the program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I test Louisville or Penn State. Ugh, I guess Penn State because they're more physical, but Louisville has actual weapons. I mean, Louisville has two guys in their uh, receiver and running back. Well, not running back, but Jamari Thrash is better than any receiver that Penn State suits up a lot. I don't know, you know, Jawar Jordan. I'd say probably Nick Singleton's better than him. Um, Catron Allen probably better than him, but not. I mean, it's close. Uh, okay, well, well let's let's go backs, with the offensive line. Those backs have just like kind of not had a lot of space to do some special things. Uh, we're not watching this, but the chat is saying that Shador Sanders has been benched. I don't believe that that happened. I'm sure he's banged up. Yeah. He was limping around. I don't think he got benched. Um, I've, I've been half watching, but not really. I, I don't believe that he actually got benched. That's probably um, more, more games to go through here, Dave. Yes. Oregon blew out Cal 49 to 19. They played some grab ass early and then just poured it on him in the second half. Shador didn't get that. benched. He's in the locker room. Um, yeah. so that clears it up. Um, huh. Huh. I thought um, the new OC would have fixed that. That's weird. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> one other thing here, 
that I wanted to mention, I don't see on the rundown, is the A&M game. Um, in the first half, they, they played Ole Miss. They fought hard, really hard, I thought, at the end of the game. They were down by 14 in the second half, and they, they got within striking distance to potentially take the lead at the, the end of the game. But is there anything to add about the Jimbo Fisher scenario here, or is it just another loss against a top-10 team on the road in your mind? Well, I was, I was talking about this with some some colleagues today, actually, and there's a strong case that like Jimbo's buyout only goes down to like sixty three or sixty six or something mm-hmm. next year. So like people talk about the money and like, but if you don't believe it's going to happen, then just do it. Like you're saving, like you're talking about eight million dollars difference. Like you're already in it. Yeah. But I still, I I still think like. I uh, you know a second year by Petrino. Maybe Connor Wegman stays healthy. Maybe your receivers get a little bit older. Just keep holding on, you know. Well, you still have the talent to be good, and there's a there's a chance. But the question is, is he wasting it? I mean, yeah. The short answer to that is yes, but they're just man, they're just unpleasant to watch, man. Like they're just the vibes are bad. They're not particularly fun. Like Anaya Smith in the open field is like the only time that they're really enjoyable to watch and. AM is a tough watch, man. They are just not. But I, I I just unless you totally tank and you've lost the team and your effort is gone, which I don't think is happening, I think you gotta, you know, you wanna pay again, I it comes to, you wanna pay $120 million to get Mike Elko? Like, really? You know, and that's not to say that Mike Elko's a bad coach or wouldn't do well there, but like $120 million to, to take that chance. I, I, I would give one, I'd give one more year to Jimbo. So. Yeah. Interesting. That'd be an interesting. Sorry, one. Aggies. Um, yeah. Wow. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that. What? I thought you were. Yeah. I thought you'd be like, let's rip the cord here. And it's not your money. No, I mean, we got, uh, I, I already, I'm going to take a page out of your book here. You can you can shrug and say, well, A and M's only getting the players because their collective is so strong or whatever. You can you can say that, but at the end of the day, you have a coach who has brought you the most talented roster that you've ever had, probably at least in the modern era. That is not nothing, and I know it's underwhelming. I know it's frustrating. I don't blame you, but like, if you get a new coach, there's not saying that that's not going to taper off, and then. The possibility of like right now, AM has the possibility of being a championship team. If all of a sudden your roster's sliding and you go from third in the 24 7 talent composite to like 12th, 15th, then you're no longer in the, in the, yeah. we can pos- then you're in, then you're in nine and three I like, land. I just no like have upside. fantasies now about a functional coach getting his hands on these players before that happens. Yeah, maybe. Uh, um, Qu- Quinshawn Junkins is one of the best running backs in the country. He's uh, he had three touchdowns in the go-ahead uh, one to keep Ole Miss's playoff hopes alive. They're number 10 in the country. They might be going up. And guess who they're playing next week? On the road Georgia. at Georgia. Is this going to be another Ole Miss gets slapped around by a really good team, or do you have any confidence in Lane Kiffin's squad to, to play against Georgia in any sort of meaningful way? I've kind of been radicalized, uh, you know, with the, with the, the Lane big game stuff still a little bit. I mean, I, I – I will say the one interesting thing. Uh, our colleague Seth Emerson was trying to figure out the last time that Georgia has played a Lane Kiffin offense. It's been a long time. I think by his estimation, it might have been um, the Bama years. It's the last time that they played a Kiffin offense. They scored 10 points against Alabama. 
I just I know they don't show up in these games. I don't know if well, I can buy Ari, it. I think the one thing it's worth noting Bama's defense is better than Georgia's. It sure is. is bud. It is. Sure is. It is. <laughs> All right, let's rapid fire through some of the stuff here. Um uh, Arkansas frustrated Florida 39 to 36. I mean, you're an Arkansas guy. I'll let you I'll let you take the wheel well, here. Well, here's the thing, Ari. I said this. Dan Enos was not a good idea. And credit to Sam Pittman for recognizing this. Eight games in. Bought himself a lot of goodwill by making that change. And then you get two weeks to prepare for Florida. You go down to the swamp and win for the first time ever, and you score 39 points while you do it. Uh, you know our our colleagues uh, Kennington Smith and Seth do the uh, the vibe rankings. So Arkansas might be like number two or three this week in the vibes rankings um, because the vibes have shifted literally almost overnight. So, and I'm sure the vibes to, on the other sideline too with Florida have shifted yeah. pretty quickly too. So props to Sam Pittman in Arkansas because that's it's never easy to fire a coach, um, but you make a midseason change. You admit, hey, I screwed up last offseason. That's my bad. And you fix some stuff. And Arkansas looked a lot like their old selves. Rocket Sanders running around. He's healthy, of course. Uh, KJ Jefferson looking like a new man. Sometimes midseason, uh, you know, I, I will say, Ari, if you're going to fire a coordinator midseason, I probably would not replace him with somebody who hasn't coached college football since 1998. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Sorry to belabor the point, but it was. Yeah, I didn't know if we were talking about Pat Shermer again. And it's like, yeah, we here are, we are. Yeah. We are, but like, maybe I'm just stuck because I have them on my, on my second I think we know here, what Monday's column like, is going to be. Um, well, no, probably not, but it's, it's, you know, it's wild. It just is a wild decision. A few more things to get through here, Dave. Uh, Michigan State snapped their six game uh, losing streak and wins for the first time since September 9th. Um, by beating Nebraska twenty to seventeen, I just a horrific loss from Nebraska. Yeah, they've I got know you're Maryland. on the road. I know you're on the road. I know Nebraska is not great. We were we were trying to buy in on like, Nebraska. You know, we turned it, it around. Like they had some stuff going, and man, I I, I fell for it. I thought Nebraska was going to win that one. I thought um, they were Mar- too. They've got Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa, uh, or Maryland, Iowa, and Wisconsin uh, for Nebraska to close out the year. Do you think they're going to make a bowl game? They're at they're at Maryland, they're Wisconsin, f- and they're at four or five. Uh, I think they're at five. Yeah, they'll be one of those teams. They might beat Iowa. I think they're Heck. at five. If they're at four, I'll say no. If they're at five, no, I'll they're at five. Yeah, five and four. Yeah, congrats to Nebraska. Wisconsin losing to Indiana today. Um, As one does. Is this? I mean, we expected growing up. pains from Wisconsin. Yeah, but they're is beat this up. the worst loss of like Fickle's coaching career? I don't know. No Mordecai. Uh, they got some backs hurt as well. Ah, it's injuries. Indiana yeah. for whatever. Indiana for whatever it's worth. You know, I don't think they're world beaters, but they did hang with Penn State a week ago. It's it's not good, but it's not like you know they'll be fine. They'll be. Fine. Uh, Illinois beat Minnesota on a last second Isaiah Williams touchdown, winning 27 to 26. Are we live? What are we doing with all this Big West stuff, Ari? I I can't. We got to get out of the Big Ten West. There was, there was a pretty, there were a few results away from there being a five way tie at three and three in the Big Ten. The Big Ten West is so depressing. It's so depressing. (laughs) Okay, fine. How about some bowl eligibility? 
UTSA okay. beat North Texas 37-29. West Virginia beat, beat BYU, uh, who also had five wins, 37-7. Coastal Carolina beat Old Dominion 28-24. And Texas State beat Georgia Southern 45-24. Bowl eligible for the first time since 2014. Quite the program turnaround there for Texas State. New Mexico State is also bowl eligible for consecutive years for the first time since 1959 and 60. Hey, hey, Duke beat Wake Forest on a game-winning field goal 24-21 to on Thursday. And then BC, who I think has rattled off some wins here. Uh, They're hot. They're hot. They're hot. Athletes. Beat Syracuse 17-10 on Friday. And then Wyoming beat Colorado State in their rivalry game 24-19. And um, I had the team total over in the... Wyoming game and it was 24 and a half and they had 24 points and got stuffed four <laughs> times at the goal line at the end of the game. Uh, and I lost that bet because of it. So Congrats, um, I'm going to, I'm going to hand the wheel over to you to do high five for the G five. Do you got the form up? Uh, I don't, but I, okay, I'll it. do it. High five for the G five. Cause I'm the G five guy of this podcast. You love the G five. Every Sam time I'm talking, you're Houston. like, hey, can we talk about the G five game winning 35 yard field goal by Colby. Seasmus. To beat Kennesaw State and earn SHSU their first win of the year, twenty-four to twenty-one. No they more winning FBS winning. teams. Shout out to allergic shout out to winning State. this year, and they they did it. Yes. Uh, your twelve seed in the expanded playoff, Air Force loses to Army Wild. twenty-three to three. Army is a win over Navy away from bringing home the Commander and Chief Command and Chiefs Trophy for the first time since twenty twenty. James Madison remains perfect on the season after beating Georgia State forty-two to fourteen. Number 24, Tulane, played with its food, but kept its spot as the top group of five team by beating Eastern Carolina in an ugly 13-10 to 10 game. Uh, I think Tulane was inside the five like five times in this game and didn't really come away with any points. Arkansas State had its first uh, five-win-plus season since 2019 with a 37-17 win over Louisiana. And let's get to the locks of the week before we get out of here. Um, your lock of the week uh, was easy. Kentucky minus well. three and a half against um, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, yes, uh, that was pretty easy cover. Uh, Max has had thirty-two. Uh, Michigan minus thirty-two and a half against Purdue. That did not cover. It's did just hard to cover thirty. Quite well, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had Georgia minus fifteen and a half as a bit. That didn't hit. Um, neither did my live <laughs> bet of minus nine and a half. But you lived to tell the other day, uh, the new day, and then what, the trap games were. Mine was Texas Kansas State. It didn't count, but it was we a trap game. It went to mine. overtime. What was your trap game? might have been Virginia Tech at Louisville, I think. Or maybe it was Tulane. And, no, I think it was Virginia Tech and Louisville, I believe. How'd that go? Uh, Louisville avoided the trap. Let's just say that. <laughs> and then Max's <laughs> trap game was? Uh, the cockfight in Columbia. That's right. Jacksonville State. Jacksonville oh, by the State way. Had him, speaking of on the ropes, Jacksonville State had him on the ropes. They let I know. Him get Jacksonville away. State was also like 20 yards away from not covering the game at all at the end of it. If you were paying close attention, <laughs> not that not I was for any particular attention. reason, but it was very close <laughs> at the end. Uh, that was a winner for me. Thank you very much. Um, thank you guys all for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday's live reaction show. Be sure you're following the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll be notified when new episodes are up. We always appreciate a five-star review, a rating, anything you can do. And also hit that subscriber button on the YouTube channel and join us every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday for our live streams. Subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. All of the links to the podcast feed, the YouTube channel, and that newsletter will be found in your show's descriptions. We will talk to you on Sunday afternoon, evening for the Sunday Sound Off edition. Be sure to leave your voicemails or text in the line if you want to be included. That phone number is 316 
316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. That was a crazy day of college football. I cannot wait to wake up with a refreshed mind um, and to break it down all again on Sunday evening. And then we've got some columns to write. A lot of great content coming um, on The Athletic this week. Be sure to think about subscribing to The Athletic. Uh, the written product, um, I think you'll be pleased with it, especially if you like other sports too, because we've got beat writers and national writers, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. We're out, we're across the pond in the UK. We've got everything. So, um, Dave, thanks for staying up with me. It's almost midnight. I'm going to go watch the Arizona Wildcats, see if they can close out this dub. Uh, and then we'll catch you guys on uh, Sunday. For Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. That was the latest edition of Until Saturday.